Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Phonication, the podcast dedicated to ruining everything you love. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning back in. It is very nice of you for doing something that you don't have to do, unless you're my mom and dad. Hey, guys, love you. (laughs) First things first, I want to correct a possible error I made in my last episode. I offhandedly mentioned the human male with two penises, and one of my listeners, hello, Jess, kindly let me know that it might be a hoax. So naturally, I had to read everything I could find on it. Unfortunately, I couldn't find anything confirmed on the guy since he wants to remain anonymous, and I couldn't find any medical papers on him either, but also nothing concretely disproving it. He actually uploaded a picture as proof, and I haven't seen anyone cry foul on it, but I'm also not a photo manipulation expert, so the jury's out for now. What I can tell you about, though, is that diphalia, or penile duplication, is a real, although incredibly rare, abnormality. The first reported case was all the way back in 1609, and it reportedly affects one out of every 5.5 million males. Unfortunately, that kind of congenital anomaly tends to come with a myriad of other anomalies, so mortality is usually pretty high in infants born with diphalia. Typically, one penis is non-functioning. However, the double dick dude, as he calls himself on Reddit, (laughs) because of course he does, claims to have two fully functioning penises and no other developmental anomalies but we probably won't actually know for sure unless he decides to relinquish his anonymity. Let us know who he is. (laughs) So thank you again, Jess, for pointing that out. I really genuinely appreciate it. Now then, I know you guys aren't here for human shit. Let's talk about animal shit. Unless you guys want me to do a series on weird human shit, I could probably do that if that's something that you guys want. So just let me know, okay? So, it is now the end of July, and in keeping with the down-under theme I'm doing for charity, today we're talking about the adorable kiwi bird, which might be my second favorite bird, behind the crow for obvious reasons. Alright, the kiwi bird. Latin name, Apteryx mantelli. If that name sounds familiar to you, you might be thinking of the Archaeopteryx, which is the extinct bird that is a transitional species of non-avian dinosaurs into the modern bird. It was a huge find. And it's also proof that the modern chicken is a velociraptor. (laughs) But no one ever cares about that. The naming convention is similar though. It comes from ancient Greek. The kiwis a and then pteryx, meaning without feather or wing. And then for the archaeopteryx, archaeo means ancient, and then pteryx again means feather or wing, so ancient feather. So the kiwi bird is native to New Zealand. It's not found in Australia. But the countries are very, very close to each other, and I feel like it's down under enough. And the truth is, realistically, that I wanted to talk about kiwis, and this is my podcast, so. Kiwi populations are fortunately on the rise, and a few species actually have been downgraded from endangered to vulnerable on the IUCN red list due to human preservation efforts, which is awesome. I love talking about success stories on the red list since there's so many bad endings. The kiwi is fairly abnormal all around. It's got very thin, soft feathers that look like fur. And actually the first kiwi skin that was brought over to England when it was discovered, it was considered to be a hoax because there's like no way that any animal could have feathers like this. So it's really cool. And actually unlike other birds, the feathers don't molt throughout the year. And it's also the only bird in the world with nostrils at the end of its beak, which by the way, tend to be pretty noisy and give away the kiwi bird's position. And on top of that, 
They've also got whiskers on their face, like exactly like a cat does. <laughs> and it even has marrow in its bones, like a human. Like birds generally don't have marrow. They do when they're young, but when they're ready to fly, they don't have marrow so that their bones can be lighter. The kiwi does. And it's also got the smallest eye size relative to body size of any bird. And it comes with a correspondingly small field of vision, likely because it's nocturnal. And it's believed that they became nocturnal after the introduction of predators to their endemic areas, because in areas where those threats don't exist, they're actually often seen in the daylight. And while I thought they were incredibly small, like, I don't know, maybe the size of a good mango, <laughs> turns out they're the size of a fairly large chicken. <laughs> and I guess the only thing I got right about kiwis is that they're not made of fruit. Thanks, public school. As a lot of people know, the kiwi is kind of a major symbol for New Zealand, like the way that kangaroos are for Australia. And yes, by the way, that is exactly the reason why it's normal to refer to a human resident New Zealander as a kiwi. There's five species, but realistically, they all look almost exactly the same. The only way that they vary is like in size and not even that much. But there's some crazy shit about their evolution though. So I'll go ahead and explain. The kiwi is not the only flightless bird that's ever been native to New Zealand. New Zealand was once inhabited by the now extinct moa bird, so it would be very natural to assume that the kiwi is related, but absolutely not. Its closest relative is the elephant bird, which is a different large flightless bird. Actually, no, it's a different massive flightless bird. And the weird part is that the elephant bird is native to Madagascar. <laughs> like it's shared an island with the moa, but it's related to something from across the ocean that's honestly a little difficult to buy. But at the same time, I'm not an ancestriologist, so what the fuck do I know? <laughs> I'll tell you what I do know though. I know about kiwi mating. So kiwis form cute little monogamous bond and a couple will pair for life. During mating season, they'll actually call out to each other every single night and then meet up in their nest every couple of days, which is genuinely so precious. <laughs> and then they do their thing and the lady kiwi gets pregnant. That's not the weird part, that's the super normal part. <laughs> Starting off with minimum level weird, the kiwi is the only bird with two functioning ovaries. Other birds, and hilariously platypuses, only have one functioning ovary, and the other never fully matures. And I don't really get what the point of having two is, like, that seems so wasteful. And it's not like the body doesn't know which ovary will mature and which don't, so it needs to keep both. The left one is always the one that matures and the right one is always the one that doesn't work. So what is the fucking point? Really quick tangent about platypuses, by the way. Yes, that is the correct plural word, platypuses, not platypi. Just like octopuses, actually, it's a Greek origin word. So we're supposed to use the English pluralization S, not the Latin pluralization I. It's not a Latin word. If you want it to be super hyper correct, I guess you could use the Greek pluralization and say platypodes. <laughs> So that would be weird, but back to weird. <laughs> Lady Kiwi is pregnant and like all birds, pregnant means there's an egg inside of her. <laughs> so let's talk about that egg. Now you may know that the ostrich has the largest egg in the world. Like duh, it's a large bird, it has a large egg. Now the Kiwi bird has one of the largest eggs relative to body size. And remember how I said the Kiwi is the size of a large chicken? Its egg is six times the size of a chicken. It's nearly as big as a friggin' ostrich egg. And it's a kiwi. Their egg is absolutely massive. <laughs> I'm gonna upload some pictures to Fonication's Instagram because 
it's seriously fucking ridiculous, you guys. <laughs> let me let me try to help you visualize. All right. So a human fetus, when ready to be born, takes up about 5% of a mother's mass. That's nine months. Mama's about to burst, right? A fully developed kiwi egg takes up 20% of the mother's mass. Can you fucking imagine, like, pushing out a four-year-old? That sounds miserable, dude. And you know what? Worse, a kiwi can actually live anywhere between 30 to 50 years, so she could reasonably be expected to lay 100 entire eggs in her lifetime. Jesus Christ. So it's probably pretty normal to wonder why the hell that happened. There's no confirmations yet, but a couple hypotheses. The current most touted one, I guess, but definitely still a hypothesis, being that the kiwi was once quite large and then shrink over time, but the egg didn't. The plausibility in that laying in the relative, the elephant bird, being very big. So if that's true, it's possible that the kiwi used to be the size of the modern cassowary, which we obviously do not need in our lives. <laughs> like, the cassowary is enough. And believe it or not, the kiwi bird, despite being absolutely adorable, is really angsty and feisty. Like, <laughs> we don't need it to get any bigger. <laughs> there is an advantage, though, to having such a big egg. The kiwi egg has a higher density of yolk than most bird eggs do, which is, of course, very nutritious for the offspring. And this leads to young that hatch fully feathered and fully independent. No help needed for getting food, which mama probably needs after that traumatic birth. She grows the egg inside of her for 30 days and a few days before giving birth, the mother will actually starve herself so that she has as much room as possible for the egg to be pushed out because it takes up so much room inside of her. Fortunately, after birth, the dad realizes it's his time to help out and he is the one that sits on and incubates the egg, presumably so that she can drink too much wine and cry in the bathroom because that's exactly what I would do. Except for one species of kiwi. Parenting is shared, probably because the dad is a baby back bitch. Like, buck up and sit on the egg, dude. It's not that hard. Do you have any idea the amount of physiological stress that puts on a bird carrying around an egg that big inside of you? Deadbeat. And unfortunately, in areas with no human intervention to help them, only five to 10% of kiwi chicks survive to adulthood. So all that work for so little payoff. That is disheartening. Anyways, that about covers it for kiwis, but it would be super cool if you stuck around for my end of episode information. First, please follow Phonication on Instagram and Twitter. I post cool stuff. And if you like the podcast, please leave a review on iTunes. It actually really does help out. And if you really like the podcast, please check out our Patreon. And I want to remind everyone that every single cent of proceeds from Patreon through the end of the month will be going to help out the Australian bushfires and bat preservation. And I will obviously be uploading proof of the donation there as well. And that's it. Tune in next hump day for more trauma. Bye! Trauma.